So when I was growing up in Southern California, I went from uh, one school. I used to bounce back and forth between my parents' house, so my mom's house, my dad's house. And <clears throat> when I was, one of the kind of an eye-opening thing for me was moving from Irvine, California to San Juan Capistrano. And like, as far as the school, the schools are concerned, I don't know how they, I know how they do it here in Colorado, but elementary schools one through six, and then seventh and eighth is, um, what do you call that? Junior high. Junior, okay. Yeah. And then you got high school in, in nine, 10, 11, 12. So anyways, I got moved to San Juan Capistrano. I went to the school called Marco Forrester and the school is predominantly Hispanic. Okay. So when we registered and everything, I, I told you, I told everybody my first name, right? Mm -hmm. My whole name. And they saw it as, all right, we got another Hispanic dude going in. So, but what they did was they didn't give you an option for classes. They just put you in class. Right, they chose your classes. Yeah, they so chose you your go classes. Here, you go there. But since it was predominantly Hispanic, I got stuck in Spanish speaking classes. So when I first, you know, I walk into it going into seventh grade, don't know anybody because I just came from an elementary school that I went through kindergarten through, through sixth grade. Mm -hmm. Moving into this school, don't know anybody, not talking to anybody. I get stuck in these classes. Well, my first class, the, uh, the teacher, you know, was doing roll call and everybody was like, aqui, aqui, aqui. So I was like, I guess that's how we say it. So they, <laughs> they called my name. I was like, aqui. And they just moved on. <laughs> yes. Right? So they taught the whole class. Had no idea what was going on, grabbed my books, went to my next class. Next class, it was the same thing. So it was like this for about a week until they realized, like one of the teachers pulled me aside and he was like, are you understanding? Like he started, you know, he was talking to me in Spanish and I was like, dude, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> and he's like, no wonder, you know, like everything started coming together. Like I was just doing what everybody else was doing, but that, you know, that gives you an idea of how mm -hmm. far you can get without really knowing what you're doing. And just following the crowd is kind of is like the military. Yes, you you show up and then you just do what everybody else is doing, and you're at, you'll be absolutely fine for a for a time period, not I, not your entire career. Right, you'll but be, for a short piece, for, you can hide. A short amount of time. I, I was watching Full Good, a uh, few Good Men the other day. It was on, and uh, they were asking about the code red, which is blanket parties and stuff. Did you order the code red? Right, right. Yeah. So um, the funny thing was that when they were asking about where it is in the manual to do a code red. Right. And then they said, well, you know, oh, wait, you never went to chow when they did the chow hall? Show yeah. me in the book where the chow hall yeah. is. And the if guy you... goes, well, it's not in the book. He yeah. goes, what, you never ate? Yeah, you just follow the group of hungry marines. You just marines. follow the crowd right? to the chow hall and then you eat. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you can only get, get along so far, you know, just doing that. Following the crowd, yeah. right, right. So uh, there's been a lot going on since uh, you and I talked. We did the Adam whole thing with every, all of us here in the new bunker down in your basement. Yeah. And um, so... I've been I, systematically replacing all of the appliances in my house. <laughs> nice. Which is kind of like, I have to take a day off here to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. I only have two appliances left that are not brand new. One is the water heater. And the other one is the AC unit. Don't, so don't wish on the water I'm heater, not, man. Well, I'm not wishing on anything. I just know it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. right? So as I'm like, we had to replace the furnace. We had to do this. I mean, like all the appliances are new. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm about over it. Yep. But I've got to a point now where I'm just like, okay, everything is functioning. Everything is good. And one of the toilets, they have like really hard water here. Yes, and we one, have it at our house. The, yeah. the water tastes like absolute ass. It's, uh, city water. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, 
but it it uh it clogs up all your stuff all the time because mm -hmm. the calcium and all the minerals and everything yep so the toilet upstairs was running for like three days and i finally like was able to google it, all these parts and figure it, out it it clogged down to yeah, the arm and yeah the flow mm -hmm, the, the flow, flow master or whatever um but we also have like the uh you know how you turn off the water mm -hmm. to the uh to the accessory, either the yeah, sink yep. or the, yep. well, it's a pull and push kind of deal. It's not a turn off or on. That's weird. So I, would, I reached down there and I started spinning it. And, and I was like, yeah, it was just like, so that's why it was running for like four days. But I finally got that all figured out, right? So I was like, dude, I should do that to all the toilets in the house. Yeah. So I started going around doing it to all the toilets and I got down to the basement one. And I was like, all right, I'm going to get you. I opened it up and it was the old style with the, uh, with the ball on it. It wasn't mm -hmm. like the, the flow, new, right? yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the new one. Yes. Yes. So I reached down and I, and I grabbed it by the stem and I went to turn the top off of it and then broke a pipe off of it, of course. And I was like, okay, well this toilet's fucked now. So I'm just going to, just going to leave the water off and put yeah. the cap back on and act like I wasn't even down here. So I got to fix that now too. So it's just one thing after another. Nice. Homeowner. Yep. You're listening to Home Improvement with Danny McBride. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so catch everybody up because I've been running around doing some crazy stuff. You got that barreled action to me last week. That yeah, was we quick. sat down and had lunch a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we had lunch and, a little. And we talked and... about uh, what's going on next year. Uh, there's some things I wanted, uh, I do want to talk about um, that are coming up. We got SHOT Show coming up. And then we actually we have our one-year anniversary, January 10th of the Everyday Sniper. So congratulations, Frank. You've kept it going. And, <laughs> yeah, and I thought you retired. It. I'm like, man, Mike retired. Yeah, where's that guy at? He he retired from doing the the the, the program because you were like even off Facebook. I'm like, man, he ain't even doing Facebook. I know, man. I I I'm pulled in so many different directions. It's unbelievable. I'm like, ah, just one more thing. It's like you. Yeah, people you're don't like, get it, man. Yeah. You're doing a hundred things. But that's okay. Like I, I'm trying to jump in more and more when I can. And every time that we set up a date, we do it. So yeah, um, and and there was like the ELR thing going on this weekend, and I couldn't make it down because I had some stuff to do. What uh, was the ELR thing? There's an ELR world record shoot happening in Texas right now, Valdina Ranch. So I kind of was following that a little bit. I'm glad you brought that up because I do want to talk about some ELR today too. Okay. But um, go on. I mean, I guess from a mile high standpoint, the stuff I did with Brian Whalen worked out really well for you. A lot of calls, a lot of people following up on what we were doing, ordering rifles and 224 Valkyrie stuff and all that. Yeah. And a lot of guys coming from Brian, a lot of guys coming from uh, looking at those videos. And it's great now because I can reference those videos and I can reference yes. these podcasts. And I can go, look, you want to know a little bit more about it. I'm saying the same thing over and over again. I've been shooting the 224 just as long as you have. Yeah, we, we shot it in the very first podcast, first or second. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, th this is what we experienced. And now, like, it's grown exponentially since then, since, what was it, February. Yes. Like, all these new things have been done with it. And you guys have been experimenting with stuff and doing this. And I'm just, I think it's really cool. So I'm like, hey, go on here and look at this video. Go on Sniper Side, talk about it. There's... There's freaking, there's a million threads on it. There's a million things going on. Just there's go so much, there's so much information. And one of the things to got to tell people is make sure they go, I'm getting a lot of out of context, not the whole story. Like one guy going, well, it's only, you said it's only good to 600 yards. And I said, no, that's not what I said at all. You know, I said that this bullet, I was talking about the 75 grain American Eagle. I said to 600, it's really good. But then after that, the wind starts to beat it up and you have to be on top of your wind game. Mm -hmm. But it still shoots. It just, depending on the wind in your particular area, for us, the wind's strong past 600, you see it. 
And I, it, and I always it, looked at it like when we when we started shooting it, I always looked at it as just a the next level better than a 308. Yeah, really. it really it, is. And it's just it's shy of a 65, but it's more than a 308. It's right in between. I found and and again with that 75 grain cuz I was shooting the 75 grain mm -hmm. a lot. I had four or five cases of the 75 that I went through. I know I did at least two cases in Alaska alone of it, and then I did some down here. Yeah, you did some over in like Tennessee or yeah, something. Yeah, and, like I, that. and that's what, when I shot 88s in Tennessee because I got them from you. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I was looking at it from a wind standpoint in the 75 grain stuff, but then when we moved to the 88s, it changed, you know. The 75 grain after 600 performs just like a 308 168. And after 600 yards, it was almost identical to a 308-168. But inside, it was like 6.5 Creedmoor. And you can probably look up all that data that we published when me yeah. and you and Paul went out. Mm -hmm. And we were given numbers and everything like that. I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty close to what that is. We, we put data out. The thing is, people have to look at the data correctly. They have to go and interpret it. And don't fill in their own misconceptions because now guys are starting like there's big accuracy threads on Sniper's Hide. Mm -hmm. Guys are starting to reload for it. Guys are starting to shoot it out of different rifles and starting to look at it. One guy posted, you know, three sets of quarter minute groups with his hand loads using 88s and using all that stuff. So I, as it progresses down the road, we're, it's going to get better. They, they, uh, just people have to ignore this. I guess there's two guys on YouTube that just beat it up in the beginning because they couldn't get it to shoot, according to them. Yeah. And that's possible. I think I've seen that, but that was like months ago. Yeah, but they're, everybody's still going back to it. Yeah, um, everybody's going back to a lot of stuff. Yeah, but. exactly. So you got to look at that kind of um, both sides of it. But I'm glad people are responding. Um, they are. They're responding in a positive way. Most of the people that I talk to you... I, I want to say like 99% of the people that I talk to, it's only the stuff, the negative stuff is what I hear from somebody else. I don't hear it straight from somebody. Right. I it's hear, always second it's hand. It's always second hand, yeah. Yep. Like when you guys did the video with Fritz, Fritz was like, I don't understand why these people come on here and say the things that they do. And, <laughs> and I'm just like, you have to understand and you know, putting yourself out there like that, people are going to say something about you. I'm sure somebody's saying something about me right now. I don't give a shit. Yeah. But what it comes down to is um, I've had the majority of people painted in a positive light and they want to try it out. And the reason they want to try it out is because, yeah, it's something new. There's loaded ammo for it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry. You, In order to get into, like, let's say, and this is kind of like my pitch when I'm talking to these guys, because they come to me. I don't call somebody up asking if they want a 224 doctor. <laughs> yeah. they, they call me. Right. And they go, what's your opinion on it? So I give them my opinion and I say, you know, if you do it this way, you're, you're looking at a TL3 action. Or it's the a, origin. The origin. Yeah, the origin. Or your big okay. horn. So if we're looking at a big horn, let's, let's just stick on the big horn, right? So if you're on a big horn and you go, okay, well, all it is is a bolt swap. So the bolt head. Right. Which is. Simple. Which is 125 bucks or 175 bucks, depending on which caliber you go with. So if you go with that 6.8 SPC mm -hmm. bolt face, then it's 125 bucks. You go with the 308, it's 175 bucks. Okay, so you're, if you're building a rifle, you're a barrel and a bolt head away from changing it if you don't like it. Right. So who gives a shit? Try it out. Exactly. So, I mean, that's that's the majority of the conversation. And, and, and I'm, look at an origin. An origin's, what, 800 bucks? Mm -hmm. You guys didn't have origins in, so I got we the We have TL3. them on order. It's just, yeah, you, know how, got, you know how it goes. They're new. They, they're yeah, they came, oh, they came out last year, so. 
Yeah, so uh, I got the TL3 because you had it in stock, mm -hmm. and then I wanted the AICS cut, and you had a ton of AW cuts. Mm -hmm. So I just grabbed the AICS cut. Um, but otherwise, the Origin, I mean, you can make a like a barreled action for this, 800 for the Origin, another 150, 200 for the trigger. So there's your 1000 bucks, And then whatever your barrel is going to cost you, depending on where you get it, you got a barreled action for $1,500. Mm -hmm. You know, 18 on the big end if you go expensive. Great. So it, it's it's really not expensive to jump into this and drop it into something. And just as an average, so we're looking at uh, just in the last like three weeks, I want to say, I've probably put in five orders for a 224 barreled action to our service center, nice. to our service shop anyways. And out of all five, they're all bighorn. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else because we can't get the bolts the right bolt now head. To, yeah, to swap. So, uh, or in a reasonable amount of time, I should say. It's not that they're not available. It's just that we don't have them. And most people want to go with that bighorn because it's already been proven. Yes. it's It works. It's done. It's that, it's an excellent action. It's an excellent action. It's the next step on like, okay, well, what gun do I want to get next? So why not get this? I'll add that to my collection and, and shoot that. Um, but every single one of them have been a bighorn. And getting into one, even if you're doing the TL3, I mean, like bare bones, you're looking at anywhere between 18 and $2,200 for the barreled action that you can take, slap into a chassis, and then get a modified MDT mag or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think Primary Arms is making They got kit. the inserts they and got stuff. Inserts. And, then and they're, they're making them for the AICS pattern? Yes. Okay, so like a 3902, like a 10 round, AICS, yep. uh, single stack. Numbers, yeah, I, know, yes. I know, I know. It's, it's the way I have to reference it because I have to say, I have to say the number, then the description, then the price, right? So, um, but anyways, everybody's, you know, somebody's making a kit for something. You can modify some stuff. So yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It doesn't take a whole lot of money to get into one of these barreled actions if you already have a chassis or something. Why not? Right, and the ammo's dirt cheap. And have we just picked gotten... up the MPA chassis. Oh, did you guys? Yeah. Nice. So we have some MPA competition chassis. So the non-folder at the bubble level and mm -hmm. all that stuff has a little night vision rail and the, the kick out front where you can mount your bipod all the way out and everything. Yeah, yeah. And I, prior to us receiving them, I really hadn't played with them. I've seen them in the wild and I've you know messed with them and everything like that. But most of these, because they're like $925 or something like that, they're a good buy, they're, they're a good company, right? and they're solid chassis. A lot of guys are taking that $2,000 barreled action, slapping in an MPA chassis. Like, I want to say almost all five of the ones that I did, that's what they're doing. Well, when you look at the chassis systems right now and what's going on with chassis, it's almost easier to just do the barreled actions and then just drop them in. Mm -hmm. You know, because, I mean, everybody's got their own reason for liking chassis A, chassis B. But at the same time, it's they're, they're so close to each other now, it's just minor cosmetic pieces that really you know stand one out from the other so it, it is and it goes along with something else that i wanted to talk about today was kind of like the future of precision rifle like i see it right now like you're saying all these chassis you, you people are saying the same thing but they're saying it differently is kind of like how i look at it like MPA is doing it this way, MDT is doing it this way, right. AI is doing it this way. They're all saying the same thing. They're just saying it differently. They have different features to them, mm -hmm. um, different prices to them, different amount of time being machined on it. it, it and then just 
kind of how they address the accessories is really all it comes down to. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now in Precision Rifle. Before we're coming into this ne next SHOT Show, I just want to say a few things. Speaking of which, if you're going to SHOT Show, 7502 is going to be our booth number. Is it the same? It's yep. the same but bigger, right? You, yeah, we're, we got that whole aisle. The whole aisle now. Yeah, we got that whole aisle. God so, damn, man. That's um, you guys get, come out and see us. Booth number 7502. We're downstairs on the ticketing level. If you go all the way, to, almost to the back down As if you're going to go up to LE. Yeah, right. as if you're going to go up to LE. Instead, make a left at the escalators. Go almost straight back to the end of the room, and you'll find us booth 7502. Stop in and are say what up. Are we doing um, ATAC range again? We are. We're doing ATAC range. It's going to be me, you, Corey, all the Spur guys. Okay. And maybe one other person. Then we need to put together. I have. We got. I got it Dude, all in, typed up. In the Connex, mm -hmm. I have a four foot square Pelican. Let's put the kit, the ground pads, the mm -hmm. bags, and then it's one box. Oh, it's going to be tricked out this Dude, year. Dude, let's do yep, it. Yep, one we're box. Doing it. There's Me a and you are yep. putting it together. So, anyways. Um, the future of precision rifle, like all these guys are making the accessories, right? So all these, it seems like all these chassis companies are going, okay, well, how do we get this accessory onto our chassis? Or how do we do this to do this? How do we, what's the, what direction is this taking? Everybody wants to, to make their chassis heavier versus last year that everybody wanted Want it light. Right. You know, so it's going back and forth and back and forth. And now we're trying to get smaller calibers to go further distances. For example, the V22, uh, the Voodoo. The, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got small caliber. Yeah, right. It hits it, you know, five hundred yards, six hundred yards with it, and it's yes. like, dude, that shouldn't be doing that. There, there's well, a lot of guys doing do? ELR twenty four, twenty one, fourteen. Exactly. We're there's... trying to go small and far, you know. So what are they doing? They're they're making all these uh, all these accessories to do that. So what I see happened seven years ago in the AR world is everybody who was making ARs because yes. the Sandy Hook and like they had to buy one for $3,000 because they couldn't find one. Well, just buy this one and then get this accessory and this accessory and this accessory. And it's, you know, these Lego guns they're, they're putting together. They're doing that with precision rifles now because ARs are out. Yeah, ARs are big They're out. They're boring. Although 224 is going to bring them back because you're right. seeing more guys go to the small frame AR because they but can you're shoot not them farther. Gonna, yeah, but, but you're not going to want to spend five ninety nine on a 224 Valkyrie. Right. You're going to want to spend a little bit more money because you don't want the receiver shaking. Yeah, you exactly. You don't want, you know, you want parts that are fitted for that stuff. And that's kind of how I see the, the precision rifle world going right now is one is ELR, mm -hmm. right? And it doesn't matter caliber, pick a caliber. They yeah. want to get as far as possible. And then the other thing, and they do, well, they want to do it with a cheap scope. Yeah. And then the other thing is um, just the, you know, being the Barbie doll, you know, with all the accessories, being the Barbie doll of rifles right now, because it used to be the AR. Right. That yeah. was the that was the, the and now everybody's like, dude, I'm done shooting AR. I want to shoot. Far. Well, because everybody saw distance. the writing on the wall this past year, said ARs are right or uh, precision rifles are, are growing, ARs are on the downside, and they all are jumping a ship and trying to trying to make their money as fast as they can before mm -hmm. precision rifles level out again. But it is, it's all going smaller caliber. They're looking at 22 Creedmoor is coming, 22 BRA or BR is coming. Zero recoil. Right. And, and they're all looking at this for next year. You are going to see a glut of 22 caliber stuff at these comps. 
and yet the rifles are going bigger and heavier. Even Proof just now offers the 1.250 straight taper, even in the steel barrels, mm -hmm. because guys don't, they want that nine pound barrel, that straight taper, and, and that's what they're looking to do because it's that extra weight on a smaller caliber. Mm -hmm. And they wanna go super long. You know, so I, I don't know. I think it's kind of a weird um, trend to go into, and I think it's going to not be very. Uh, the longevity is going to be limited. I think a lot of, and I saw this when like getting out of the military. You know, it, a lot of tactical companies started standing up in the last mm -hmm. ten years, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was a lot of fly by night stuff. There's a, still a lot of fly by night, right? And you wonder, it's like they have a day job. And then they have this tactical company that mm -hmm. they do tactical It's like the guys in their right? basement who are yeah. trying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like us right now. Yes, yeah. we're in the basement. Yeah, and we're tactical. Yes. Right? We're the everyday sniper. Yeah, that's right, but we're not fly by night. No, right? we do we it for a job. Yeah, and we don't even get paid to do this. No. So, well, and that's the other thing, I'm tired of people saying I'm bought and paid for with this stuff. I did not get paid to do the Valkyrie stuff. Leave me alone about it. No, no you didn't. No. And uh, it, whatever you uh, could tell them, did you see free stuff come to me? Did some? Did did federal send me ammo? Mm -mm. Did, All I the bought shit it. that you get, you send it back, and then you come in and buy ammo for the stuff. I bought it. Yeah, yeah. I, you told. I was walking <laughs> out the door, and you said, "No, we got Valkyrie ammo here," and I bought cases right there. Yeah. Or the other day when uh, when you got your what was it barrel six five? Yeah, when you got your barrel action, I said, "Hey, give me your credit card before you leave." Yeah, I bought it. <laughs> yeah, you pay for shit. The fucking people. Anyways, but. Um, but the, the fly-by-night stuff yes. is we're going to see a lot more of this, and I'm saying it right now because I, I've, I saw it happen before. I'm watching it happen now, is that these guys, are they're going to develop the new whiz-bang stuff, and they're going to give it to so-and-so, and so-and-so -and -so is going to put it on Facebook, and they're going to say, this is the best shit ever, mm -hmm. and then they'll get a few sales, and this guy will be their representative. Well, after a while... Everybody's gonna see. Okay, well, that's not that's not working out, or I can't find a real use for this thing unless they incorporate it into a stage at a practical shoot. So, what's what's the next step? Okay, well, they got to go back to their day job because they're not making enough money. Yes, and then eventually that'll fizzle out. And well, then that'll be I got it, it th this last week. I got it again. Uh, I'm getting hit up over the actions, impact, Curtis, mm -hmm. Defiant, Bighorn. All the nucleus, the mousing field stuff. Everybody's, should I get the impact action? What's the impact? The impact. I'm like, yeah, what's it doing different than. I like Tate. Yeah, well, but I'm not saying anything yeah. about the people. I'm just saying, I yeah. Like, yeah. There's I like nothing Tate. wrong with the people, but my question is what's the difference between that and the defiance? Mm -hmm. What's, the, oh, this guy says it's slick as shit. Yeah, well, that guy said the defiance was slick as shit. That guy likes the bighorn as slick as shit. What it's coming down to is exactly what you just said. Who they get behind it, who talks about it on social media, and how they hype it up. Now, granted, in the past, that's my job. I hype things or do stuff. But it's like, yeah, it's, it's just everywhere. You have to take it from the source. You know, the guy has that name on his shirt. He's telling you it's the best thing since sliced bread, and he's running it in these events. Well, what about the guy with the other name on his shirt? What does he say? Right. So, it, it, guys, flip a coin, man, is really what it comes down to. I don't... It, yeah, it, if you find a use for it, use it. Right, if you but don't, the action's don't, a I mean, delivery device. I mean, it is really, a it comes device. down to the recoil lug, the, 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 the bottom, you know, your bottom metal slash chassis slash insert. Is it a 700-foot print? 
which they all strive for. So it comes down to that recoil lug and how they do it. It comes down to the, the bottom of the action and what it falls into, AICS cut, AW cut, that kind of stuff. That's where that difference comes in. And then it's really not- The accuracy your gunsmith can provide. That's, it's, these are all made on the same damn CNC machines just mm -hmm. to a slightly different design. Right. I mean, yeah, if you go to me, if you go to the Defiance or like what Gap uses with the three recoil or the three lug system versus the two, but if you're looking at a two lug, two lug, two lug, two lug, there's no difference. Bighorn st stands out because of the bolt head change. Mm -hmm. So that's a standout for a Bighorn. Yeah, they got a bolt, they got a, a smooth- A system. A, a system, a smooth bolt head change, a control round feed to save your brass. Yep. They, and they have the uh, the ejector is not on the, the bolt face. Right. So there's a difference in that versus all these doing the exact same thing the exact same way. And then it just becomes personal preference. Do you like the name Impact more? Or do you like the name Curtis more? Do you like Defiant more? Or do you like Stiller? Do you like, you know what I mean? It's, it's really- flip a coin unless you're looking at a specific feature the other one doesn't have and so far i haven't really seen that outside of like i said bighorn for or you know nucleus is a little different and then it comes down to price how much do you want to spend and so that's where i think a lot of this has to level out because right now so many people jumped into precision rifle just like you said because this is where the money's being made right now yeah everybody yeah. wants to do it and you know that's that has grown it, just in the last four years i've watched it where it was like all right six five yeah that's gonna fizzle out that's a fad too you know three years ago everybody's shooting six five now now your entry level gun is period a six, six five, five right you know so like just in the last few years that's happened but you know you take it every year and you times it by two 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 and that's all these people that are just showing up we used to we used to have like people coming into our shop because our niche is long range precision. We would probably see maybe three four people a day that were like, "Dude, I had no idea you guys were here." Right. I had no idea you guys were here. You, we still hear it once. You always because you're off in the back once, in the corner. Yeah, you're down the twice, cul -de -sac. Once or twice a week now is when we hear it. We mm -hmm. don't hear it every day from four or five people. It's just that that boat is just getting overloaded with stuff and eventually it's going to capsize with a bunch of these companies that are coming out with their mm -hmm. their new whiz bang thing and they're they're not going to make it but it's starting to get kind of gimmicky it is it to me it's doing the same thing and i mentioned it the other day to you guys you know with with the with the uh the really right stuff rails mm -hmm. like dan's hard gear there's guys out there making, I, I mean, really, if you turned them upside down so you couldn't see whose name was on it kind of thing. The Pepsi Cola Challenge. Yeah, the yeah. Pepsi Challenge. You couldn't tell the difference. Who makes this one? Is this a hard gear or is this somebody else? You can't tell. And yet they'll go out there, and I see it on Facebook all the time. Oh, don't get Dan's. Get this guy's. Don't get that one. Get this one. This one's better. And it's like. And that's just a small example. Everybody's making the same shit. They're making identical. this. Dude, there's. They're saying the same thing. They're just saying it differently. Yeah. Right? You're like, dude, I just saw that last week. Well, I improved on it because mm -hmm. I did this. Okay. I saw guys debating the bags. Yeah. I saw it. And, and it was funny because they were trying to debate. They were fighting. It, like Adam Lawson was one of them. And there was another. They were arguing over like the tactical utter, the Saracen, the game changer. And who's first? Who's on second? 
And, and I mentioned this the other day. It's like, guys, these guys are suing each other and sending lawyer letters over nylon bags. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, well, me and you had an idea for a nylon bag. And it's like, well, I have an outlet and I produce it. Or you have an outlet and you produce it. So usually it's like, we work together, then you go off and do it. Now it's like, we have an idea. And it's like, no, that's mine. And I'm going to go do it, not you. And then now we're fighting with each other, trying to determine who owns that bag design. When right. honestly, I have never seen any of these products made in a vacuum. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what? I, yeah, I get that. Uh, I mean, and I could go back to the Tony Burks and the Tab Gears stuff um, when we were down rifles only and they were this. Distri- we. We all sat around tables, mm-hmm. and whoever happened to be at Rifles Only at that time gave input. And then it's, well, that's my design. And it's like, there were six people in that room. Right. <laughs> you know? I should start claiming stuff, man, because I, oh, I talked too. to... Dude, yeah. how many people I fed? Uh, just th- with, with, like, Chad Dixon. The SIG mount, the mount for the SIG. Yeah. The, the laser range finder mount. Chad Dixon made a Leica one because Leica didn't have a mounting hole and Leicas were small and very similar to I remember this. before that came out, right. we had problems getting it onto a tripod or getting it, it into it, like a hog saddle because it was they don't so close. narrow. Yeah, they don't close enough. So the SIG comes out and I got the, the 2000, the Kilo 2000 early before it came out to the public. As soon as I got it, I called Dixon up and I said, dude, this is just like your SIG. I mean, like your, your Leica. Make this to fit the SIG instead because SIG's got a, a big mic megaphone. Mm-hmm. It's going to get big. He makes it. He, SIG picks it up for the 2400 AB, and all those come from Chad Dixon because I called Chad up and said, you need to make this. But you know what? Frank didn't make no money off of that. Yeah, and that's okay because well, it's... but that but it, but then the story is well, Chad Dixon does that. It's like well, yeah, he did, but I called him, right? You know, and and so it's just funny that that people are acting like these things are made in vacuums because they're not. Yeah. There's always a group aspect to the products that come out. There is, and that's why I, I do I appreciate companies that they will take your feedback into it, whether it's positive or negative, and they'll make you know those changes, or they'll even get with you. There's some companies that will get with you as an individual and say, hey, if you want something custom made, you have an idea or something, just let me know. Yeah. And then they ask you, you know, hey, do you mind if I use this idea? You know, go ahead, man. I don't give a shit. I'm not gonna be the one sitting behind the sewing machine. Like, I'm just going to ask you for something or I'm going to buy something from you at a later date, mm-hmm. you know? So, and, and I, I appreciate that kind of stuff, but that's, those are the guys that are going to succeed. They're going to go, okay, yeah, we're going to put this together and they're going to back themselves away from all the bullshit over here. Mm-hmm. And they're going to focus on what the important thing is. And the important thing is the end user. And we always see a, a need for a product. The only thing is you have to have some kind of depth or some kind of ability to make something that's not gonna make you money. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, a lot of this stuff, you have to go into another level to start making money off you of have it. To go into, you have to go into an R&D mindset. Yeah. So, well, wh- and like the Game Changer made a metric ton of money because mm-hmm. it just it blew up so big so fast and everybody was Game Changer, Game Changer, Game Changer. That made a lot of money. But once that gets to that point, it's then going to level off and fall down. Three years after that release, or after that big spike, are they still selling that many? 
That's going to become the question for a lot of these products. I mean, look at the, like, even what Dan's doing um, with the hard gear stuff and all those accessory rails. How, ma how many chassis now are moving forward with them built with in? With built in. That's tough. Right. So, I mean, it's just like when you buy a vehicle. You buy a, a 2016. They're going to mm -hmm. have something different for 2017 and 18 and 19. Yep. I mean, they're not just going to keep selling that 2016 up until 2022. Right. Yeah, that shit's gonna fall off. Mm -hmm. And guys point. need to understand where this goes, and 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 they really should be much more forward thinking rather than this litigation, rather than this argument, and and working towards a, a, a better future. But money's involved now. And money's involved, and it's gonna we're gonna be right back where we started with the AR stuff. Yep. Every single time, it'll filter right. I mean, back we have a how many different handguards can you make? Yes. Exactly. How many different USGI lowers can you make? <laughs> you know, like there's how many different don't there's like three main trigger companies, right? Yeah. And all the other stuff is mil spec. <laughs> well, who makes that? Yeah. You know, it's not everybody. No. There's like one company that makes all of them and then just psh, fires them out, you know? So, I mean, it's just, it, it is what it is. And I see it, I see it coming. And this next year, I'm going to laugh a little bit too when I, when that stuff does come to a head and, um, and we're, we're going to see a lot of that. I bet, well, you're probably going to see a lot of it at SHOT Show. Um, I'm going to be down in the booth doing my business, but, um, the future of Precision Rifle, man, it's, do you, do you see it, do you see it going much further than where it's at. I mean, I feel like we're in the golden age. Of we are in a golden age, but I mean, it's there's going to be a, a change. I mean, there has, I think we actually- Because you've seen it, you've been doing this for like 40 years. Yes, I think we've speed bumped over certain things that we need to revisit. Mm -hmm. and, and we drove way too fast going down this road and we missed some, some, some pretty stops. some pretty good stops we should have taken. Some rest stops in yes. the middle of Iowa. Yes, and, and I really think that, you know, Again, the 22 direction, while that may work for competition, is not going to work for people in other places. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to have to do a reset, and, and that's where like the 6.5 Creed and that stuff comes in. I think um, if the military gets a way to highlight things again, and if that goes into play, there'll be another resurgence and a backpedaling. So we had another war, and the guys started going out with 6.5 Creeds instead of 308s and started doing some stuff that was record worthy, it's gonna change the whole dynamic and do a reset. So I see these sort of resets. I look at this reset in the same way as 2000 and 2001 when we did the Ghost Dancer I mentioned, when we did the 260 Savage. In 2000, 2001 it was, Savage discontinued the 260. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got rid of them. Right. I, I bought, can see the smirk on your face because yeah. it's like, I bought them where are we now? Right. Where are we today? Right. We did a project with the 260, and I mentioned this in the last podcast. Because it was a fad back then, right? It, it was a not. precision rifle? It was not. And, and we had all the data then. We had the ability to do everything we could do today, and only a minority was talking about it. Greg Langalius and, and different stuff. He had this figured out you know, 17 years ago. And then you go to like 2008 and it became a reality, right? Then you go to 2012 and there was the PRS starts up. 
that we've been doing matches since two thousand you know, ninety-eight, if you go down to rifles only, they had matches in ninety-eight. We started doing them in two thousand, two thousand and one. Then in two thousand in you know five to two thousand and ten, they were huge. Two thousand and twelve, you get the PRS shows up, and it's a dramatic reshift. Now there's so many, and there's all this other stuff. I don't think it's sustainable, and it's going to reset back to like a two thousand and ten season. So we're going to put ourselves back. Basically. Yeah, we're going to back up and reset. And yeah. I think like some of this twenty two stuff and some of the different things is going to force us to reset. I think we're gonna see a lot more people wanting to go practical. It always comes back to practical. Mm -hmm. The games never, dude, you don't hear about F-Class, okay? You don't hear, you hear bench rest when they, when they break a record. But um, you, you, um, you, you, you never hear about bench rest beyond the record breaking stuff that's been happening and that's because of gear. Equipment. Their equipment has gotten What's this so guy good. Using? Yeah. Right. Now they're shooting, you know, quarter minute groups at distance and beyond. Stuff that nobody ever thought would have worked. Yeah. I remember like. But that's when you hear about it. Palmas are going to die. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're going to get people coming up from that. And, and you're going to see these competitions realign because people don't want the gear race. They want to go and they want to be able to walk from point A to point B and engage targets with what they have in their hand and not have to go, oh, I need to go back to the car and get this accessory that I didn't carry to use because I came to a situation that I'll use it. And instead it's going to be, yes, I have this. Yes, I know it works, but I don't want to carry it under this condition. Oh, gee, I need it. So where are they going to go to readdress that when they don't have it? It's going to come back to the original intent stuff. Right. And going back, I mean, over the years, you also come from a time frame of marksmen where they made their own shit. Yeah. Like you needed a, you need a sandbag, you fill up a sock with some sand. And you do it. And right. And you tie it off and then you bring that with you. You know, you, you, you need a tripod. Well, take this apart. You got three sticks, put it together. Now you have a tripod. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it was... You didn't have all this stuff that's readily available now. Right, we built everything. Store. Yeah, you built everything from what you had there, and you carried a minimal amount of stuff to go get the job done. Yep, yep. So it is a it I is mean, a different age of marksman. I was looking at uh, Taylor put a picture up uh, from the Marine Corps in the eighties, and he was shooting off of a World War II haversack. And I carried the same one too. I'm uh, gonna say he's like the only guy I know that would have. I, I had one. We a bunch of us had it. And, and the funny thing is, the haversack, as small as it was, would just barely but perfectly fit a Prick 77 radio. <laughs> so I would use that too, and use it because I carried the radio a lot. And um, I got burnt with a whip antenna one did time. Did you? Those, yeah, those things carry some voltage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and. And so, you know, we were, we were using the haversack and we were using specialized equipment. Like you said, our, our, our shelter half tent poles made into tripods with 550 cord, rear bags made out of sand sock, no bipods. The way we, we never use slings, even though we had Someone's it. Googling sand sock right now. Yeah, they are. Yeah. But I, I do think we always see these resets that happened because people say, okay, you went with the gear race too far, we're not bench rest, let's back up again. I mean, why are competition dynamics matches so popular? 
because there it's minimal. It's it's movement. Yeah, it's it's movement. minimal. You're on the move because it's finding. you don't want to spend your entire time unpacking your bag to engage targets. Right. You want to be able to get there, set up, find it, range it, engage it, find it, range and engage it, and then get onto the next spot. And they what they were smart is they incorporated the foot race aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to be this well-rounded field guy, your physical you fitness be, is part of that. Yeah, you need to be able to move in the field. Yeah, from point, and up here, they do the 30 mile, they do all that. I mean, I today I probably couldn't do it. Could I? Yeah, but not well. Right. You know, um, but the, the thing is, when you put that element into it versus getting out of your car, walking 15 feet to a firing line, walking five feet forward to the to the obstacle. Walking back to wa your car walking, to get your shit. Yep. And, going back to the firing line. And then, going, you know, oh, I forgot this, going back to Having the car. a group of people you can share and brainstorm with. So then when you walk away, do you really understand what you just did? Or did you just mimic what the guy told you? You know, this is, I pissed everybody off while you were away. As I said during some of the free recoil discussion, I was driving home and I was trolling people on Facebook because they were having this big talk. So, yeah, go figure, Frank trolling. So I wrote, do you want to be a tourist or a technician? Right. Where the tourist walks up and says, hey, Mike, what do you recommend? And you say, go here. Or a technician that does their own homework that explores. Because what happens when you say to somebody, hey, do this. You run up, you do it, it's 90 seconds, you come off, you say thanks, that helped, then you forgot what you just did. Cram, test, forget. Yeah. 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 And so it to me, it's it's going to be a reset where the, the, the knowledge, the education, and the personal growth gets a little bit stronger, as I, as I think what's going to happen. I hope it does, man. And going back and just kind of, you need to know where you came from. Yeah. You need to know where this came from and why it's been around for X amount, you know, X amount of years. I mean, you go back and you've said it a thousand times and I've heard you say it a thousand times and it rings in my head all the time is we didn't make these fundamentals up. They've been around, dude. Yes. And it's really just original intent with the sling stuff and iron sights versus a scope today. Mm -hmm. You know, so you got a sling and iron sights and how that applies in the context of that versus a bipod, a rear bag, and a scope. But the fundamental side of it is the same. You just have to recognize you're no longer unsupported prone. You're now supported prone. And where those differences fall in, because that does matter on your body position to get that elbow up and under. It does matter, you know, being straight with a bipod. And I think that that understanding has become lost where it's more about the end result just get the hit we don't care how we got the hit just get the hit and right. and and that's that's kind of where where my mindset is on it so we talked about chassis a little bit and everybody's coming out with something new and they're 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 doing the same thing they're just saying i, I saw a new xlr's got a competition chassis come and look really nice um i saw kyle miller there post a picture on facebook of a, of, a, of a comp chassis from XLR. So that'll be dropping at shot. Uh, you know, you got all this stuff. JP's chassis is gonna be coming, the one that Brian's been working on. And he had a prototype one. Yeah, that we was- play with that one a little bit. Mm -hmm. Did you they're, like they're it? They're changing a bunch of stuff yeah. to do the ARCA things and, uh, but you know, so there's- there, Yeah, cause they have the round tube in the front. Right. So they need to get something. Well, they, did, they made their own that's a, a contoured to yeah. fit on a mm -hmm. round. And, and then, um, you know, so there's going to be no shortage of chassis 
uh, as far as people go, which is why I think that barreled action is a, is a smart way to go for guys who want to keep costs down in manufacturing quicker and easier because really it's going to come to time. Uh, I've seen several people like you guys surprised me when you said when you said hey I got a rifle here I thought one was coming in yeah you're like when, what was it what when, what came in and I was like your gun that you left here for us to build yeah yeah and it was the order <laughs> I made and that was like not even ten days yeah. and and that's where it's gonna be is how fast can you knock out something semi custom like that with the better actions a custom barrel and then put together by gunsmiths who know what they're doing. And how fast you can knock that out is going to be the difference, especially in this comp world. It, it, there's that, and then you know we'll see if if things like the switch lug. I'm surprised the switch lug didn't take off more. I think it will. You guys use it a lot. Yeah, we've used it a few times, and I think more and more as we we go down this 224 road, mm -hmm. it's going to a catch big on. horn with a switch lug, it's, man. There, there's a few more extra steps you have to take because I mean when you think about it. We sell AIs, dude. Yeah, They're, I know Those you are do. all switch barrel, and they have it mastered. When mm -hmm. you go into a switch lug and stuff like that, you got to make sure that your head space, you got to make sure all the gauges work. You got to yep. make sure everything is tightened down the way it's supposed to be. With an AI, you put the barrel on it, 49 inch pounds, bam, on the action, you're done. With with these other ones, yeah, it takes a little more time. You got to swap the bolt and everything. But uh, once, I, I think I want to give it, you know, maybe another six months. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see more of them. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. And, we're going to see honestly, more Honestly, the AT, it, it's really come down. And, and now and nobody can bitch that these are too heavy. Because that Everybody's, used to be... The, dude, dude that, there's heavier guns out there that are custom now. Yeah, that was the complaint going forward that nobody wanted to shoot an AI in competition because they were too heavy. Now, everybody's gone with the custom guns well beyond. the, the J, And they're adding weights to yes, them. Yes, the J. Allens, the MPAs, <laughs> the, the, the ACCs. All have weight kits to make them heavier. Yeah. The AI does it. If you get an AT, buying an AT at four grand is like thirty four hundred. Is that what they are now? Fixed stock, large firing pin, thirty four hundred. Okay, it, that's a we custom even have rifle. Some, we have some AXs right now too that are like sixty four hundred. Yeah. But, I mean, that's a custom and rifle. Seriously, give me a call if you're looking for a good deal. At a price point that a lot of the custom shops have exceeded. Because it used to be, number one, the AI was too heavy. At $44,000, it was almost twice as expensive. Then it was $1,000. Eventually, it got to, it's cheaper now because a lot of the custom ones are running in that five grand area. But, it, you know, when, when the custom oh, stuff went from 24 to 38, you know, now to 48 and more, where the AT falls below it, and it's perfect. It is 100% your best option if you're looking at a custom gun. Yeah. And you want a switch barrel system, but you don't want to pay a custom price. Right. And you get a warranty. Right. It's kind of a no-brainer. And, and, and there's accessories. There's different yeah. stuff. You can do all the stuff you have to. I'm, and you're looking at a system that's been killing people across the world on every continent for like the last 35, 40 years. Yes, know? easily. So It's funny, too, when you look at because Tom sends the picture around all the time of the Irish 1991 AW. Yeah. was a pistol grip. Yep. It, they got rid of the, the thumb hole. And mm -hmm. it was, so in 1991, AIs were made with pistol grips. Same as today. Right. So as I said, things come back it's around. Circling back around. And, and they always tend to come back to that side of things. Circling back around. 
Scopes. Scopes. Circling back around. Zero compromise. Yeah, let them work, man. <laughs> I'm getting beat up. I, I'm I getting say, beat up. I know. Where, where's it at? Where's the hope? Let them work. Where's my scope? Dude, it, it, uh, Ilya uh, Koskin, I guess it's K-O-S-K-I-N, but Ilya who does the high-end optics work, mm-hmm. he does a lot of stuff with companies. He does the um, insights and he, he consults for all these companies. He will tell you that last 2% when they're building these scopes, is the hardest, most critical time because it's when they've put everything in place, they've got the work and prototypes, and now they found something that has to change. So mm-hmm. that last 2% is the problem. Let Zero Compromise come out with the right scope and not come out early to satisfy the whiners. I get it. Because he, here's the deal. I just wanted to hear you say it. Well, yeah. I just wanted to hear your version of it because we're saying work. the same thing. Yeah, let them work. We're just saying it differently. I say it a lot nicer than you do. Well, can I call them whiners? Yeah. <laughs> well, because it's, it's, here's the thing is, he had to show at SHOT Show last year. Uh-huh. He had to because in order to get a real booth this year, he had to have a booth last year. Correct. So the fact that I, I know him, I went up, I talked about it sort of pulled the curtain back a year too soon. Now, he was talking to me one-on-one saying, I expect something to be in guys like my hands in June. Didn't mean it was going to be in your hands in June. Right. It meant he was his goal was to get it in mine. Then, you know, you look at this. Hey, we got to change that. We got to change this. And so instead, you're probably going to see it released at SHOT Show as a ready-to-go scope. Just because you saw the sausage making doesn't mean you get to be the first one to eat the sausage, you know, a year sooner than somebody else. You're watching the sausage get made. Right. And, and, you know. Yeah, it was an unrefined scope last year. Well, it had a plan. It had a plan, but, but you I mean, still like, have to build mass produce them. Oh yeah, you those still have scopes to... were built by hand, one at a time. Yep, and, and even when you go up and talk to him, he's like, "Okay, well, this is what we're going to do in the future. It's not going to be as sharp on the turrets. It's mm-hmm. going to be a little rounded off. You know, he's got he has a really good look to it. And you and if he didn't say anything about it, you wouldn't even know. Then You'd be like, "Oh, this is you got to train the workers to make the dang thing. Mm-hmm. Then you got to set the machines up and make sure the programs are running correctly, and that each one of those parts fits in places." in a way that doesn't have to be hand-fit every single time. Because if you're hand-fitting parts, you're taking too much time. So they have to set up the factory, make sure the machines are working right, they gotta turn around and train the workers, they gotta put a system in place, then they gotta do the production side of things, then they gotta do the packaging and material, all this between January last year and now. And he has to do all this work before he can even start producing one to sell, mm-hmm. let alone the ones that have to go out to be field tested. Boom. Everybody has delays. It's just not everybody lets you see how they make the product. What do you see the future in reticles? I, here, here's something oh, to oh. tell people. Well, I, well, go the, ahead. Go ahead. Do I got to tell do one it. more okay, thing. Okay, do it. Do it. How many years did I see the Night Force Beast? before it came out. Is it an even number? Yes. <laughs> four. Yes. I saw the Night Force Beast four years in a row in the back room at SHOT Show before it 
ever came out in its current configuration. And the first one looked like the 5 to 25 attacker. That's, that's what it is. Yes, but the attacker came out after the beast, mm -hmm. but the attacker was built before the beast. Right. So you just never saw it because I'm in the back room with him. And we're talking about this stuff, and we just kept it confidential. Then, you know, here's the only difference, is we didn't keep the zero compromise as confidential. Right. Yeah. Reticles are, are, are going to... He's just taking steps in the right direction, but uh, he, has to, he has to, you know, do right for his business. Yes. And for the people who are going to be working for him, he has to do right by them because at the end of the day... I just said it like 20 minutes ago. It is about the end user. Yeah. And if they get something that is crap, it's done. That, that business is over. How many scopes out there come out with so much promise and you never hear them out about them again? Right. You know, or they, the sales are flat as hell because they had missteps in the beginning. Reticles. Reticles. Uh, they're going to go the design that Night Force just did with the. Um, Mill X, C, the X, the, the Mill X, C with the Christmas tree base. Yeah, the what is it? XT. XT. XT yep. or XM. They're going to go that direction. Though I think w w number one, you're going to want your main crosshair to be very similar to that two tenths adjustment. It's got to have a full half mil hash mark I'm, or I'm, one mil rather. One mil. I'm glad you're back to two tenths because yeah. we had this conversation almost a year ago and it was like no half mil marker well i'm fine with mil. a half but one on each side but, but it's two gonna tenths. it's gonna be the two tenths on the main lines what i really think they need to do is they need to not do the christmas tree until two mils down from center so don't, don't put the christmas tree one because you're already too close we're already too close to the middle you don't need it i, I was saying in the podcast yesterday uh, the last one i put out you didn't probably hear when i shot the valkyrie with the tremor I shot the the uh, at twenty one hundred. Actually, all the fall far ones, especially at uh, at um, blue steel, because it was harder to see splash at blue steel than it was on our range. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I'm on the I'm I'm on the Horus. I'm on the Tremor. Okay, we're holding. So you were shooting Brian's gun. Yeah, Brian's okay. rifle. I didn't. I only shot mine. Uh, a I was mile gonna say because I know you don't have one. I, know I Brian don't have does. a horse. No. I know Brian does. Yeah. So I'm <coughs> shooting. Uh, five mils holdover. I got, uh, you know, 20 something dialed on and then I got a five mil holdover and I'm five mils and we're, we're two mils of wind or in the reticle. So I'm, I'm holding five mils of elevation. I'm holding two mils of wind. As soon as I shot, I slid the reticle. It's not that bad. I mean, no, I'm in, in the middle of the reticle. Because, yeah. Because you, you're not using the full range, so you should right. be holding more where you're holding less, but so that's not bad. What I ended up doing was as soon as I shot, I slid the reticle out of the way to a clean spot to see what happened. Yep. Because that 224 was too small and would get covered by the reticle. So to me, it needs a little wider gap between what they're doing. Less spread the grid out a little so instead of resolving a grid to like a half mil or better mm -hmm. resolve a grid to one mil or more and give me still like i'd rather just have even number holds or odd number holds and I'm seeing this and less is dial more. it less is more yes okay. less is more and i'm starting to see that a little bit more too like we've consulted with a lot of folks i got um, we consulted with a lot of folks over this last year, just looking at reticles and other companies, you know, mm -hmm. that are trying to get into 
the tactical market, but they're not allowed to say tactical. Right. So you know who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, but, you know, we've sat down for hours on end talking to people about reticles. Not made in a vacuum. Right. And we're going, okay, like they have all of the difficult reticles out there. They have all the stuff that takes up your entire scope. Mm-hmm. So they're going, okay, I mean, well, well if we can use this, The H37 can, went all the yeah, way to the top. We can use this and use this and use this as a unit of measurement. So using the actual crosshairs as a unit measurement, how thick that line is, or you know, this two-tenth or five-tenth marker, blah, 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 blah. So I, I think as we're moving forward, since we have kind of all the stuff that's cluttered in your scope with the Horace's mm -hmm. tremors and stuff like that, I think we're going... I think it will progress to a less is more kind of mentality and go it should back it should to be. the straight up crosshairs without a whole lot of Christmas tree stuff. But if there is Christmas tree stuff, you're going to see more of a Gen 2 XR style Christmas tree where there's a lot of open space. A lot of, you got to be able to see, Christmas man. Yep. I, I, I can demonstrate covering the splash. Mm -hmm. and, and the fact is how many times, and you we'll actually should pick this up. Let's pick this up on a part two. Because um, we're getting near the end of the hour. And so let's continue this in the next uh, podcast. So we're going to leave you here and we're going to talk reticles. We're going to talk about the future of precision rifle yeah, reticles. Yeah, future and reticles and, and stuff. And what we're, what we're, maybe some of the predictions that we're going to see at this next SHOT Show. Yes, yeah. We'll talk predictive. We'll talk future. We're coming up on this hour. I know we covered a lot of stuff because Mike and I are just back with all this. But, um, we're backed up, dude. We yeah, just want to get it out. We do. <laughs> we got three minutes. Give a, give shout outs to some people that you have to. Uh, I want to give shout outs to our guys up in Alaska. I know you did it the other day and I talked to him over the phone, but, uh, Jimmy D and, and Mark, um, and all those guys that are up there that show us huge support down here at mile high. Um, I hope you guys are all right. And I know, uh, I know what it's like growing up in California, going through those earthquakes, earthquakes I was yeah. there in California for that big 8.0 joint. And, uh, that wasn't cool at all. So I just want to make sure that you guys are okay and, uh, take care of yourselves, take care of your buddies and take care of your families. Yeah. A lot of broken stuff, um, up there. That, so they'll be, yeah, it looks like they got robbed. Yeah, they do. They all look like they got robbed. I said the exact same thing. Ron Ward's house. <laughs> yeah, I said, I said like, to Mark, I said, dude, his house got robbed. Jimmy freaking sent me a picture of his, of his kitchen. And I was like, Dude, you got robbed. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. No, so that's cool. Uh, but no, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for everybody for being on the thing. And we are going to jump in on to part two with the futures. All righty. Later. Right. Peace.